Hey, everybody, and welcome to True Crime Paranormal with the Psychic Sisters. This is Katie Weaver, and I'm here with my partner in crime, sister, and co-host, co-host, or co-anchor, both, <laughs> Christy Brower. Hello. Hello. <laughs> I guess I'm all of the above. Yeah. You're the co-everything. <laughs> I am. There you go. That's right. How's it going? Good. Really good. Excited about a new slate of shows this week. I'm always excited right. when we have new stuff. I um I ordered the Sundance channel on Prime. Nice. Because I keep seeing ads for really good true crime documentaries and dramas and stuff mm-hmm. that you can only get on that channel. So I finally broke down. You know how, you know, you think streaming is going to be cheaper until you start paying by the freaking channel. I know. But I've been really excited. I've watched some really good stuff. And actually, the case we're going to cover for tomorrow is from a documentary I watched that is just insane. Bonkers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But a very interesting story that I had never heard. It's Me too. kind of an old true crime story, and but it's a very mm-hmm. famous one, I think. So I'm really excited about it. It's going to be really interesting. So Agreed. I've just been geeking out on true crime lately, which is nice. pretty much <laughs> not much different than every other day of my life. Right. <laughs> well, I mean, it's easy to do. And speaking of true crime, we have a few fun things to share. I mean, sure first do. and foremost, we have managed to break our first, uh, well, I don't know if it's our first really big goal. We've had lots of really big goals, but uh, we finally on Friday surpassed 50,000 downloads for our podcast. Woo! I am super proud of that. I am super proud of that. That, yeah, that means a lot to me. I think that means a lot to us. It's just, Mm -hmm. and that means how many of you are out there in the ethers listening that we don't even know about, you know, we get pretty wrapped up with YouTube because we can you know interact with you guys there's so many of you out there that we don't interact with because you're listening on the podcast which we love Mm -hmm. and are so very grateful for so yeah super cool I love it it's so awesome so we're thrilled we just last week was a great week our cases had so much good attention oh my gosh yeah we got some really good leads last week just lots of good stuff but Mm -hmm. on top of that two fun things happening with us first of all we have a brand new design in our merch store. Yes, we so, do. Christy, I sent you a picture if you want to put that up. We I am have- doing it right as we speak. Wonderful. And you can our merch store is over at Threadless. Mm-hmm. So you can search for True Crime Paranormal at Threadless and find it. And of course, you can also head over to our website, True Crime Paranormal Podcast.com and click a link there to get to our merch store. But yeah, brand new uh design there it says true crime all the time and it's this cool graphic of a kind of a what is it i want to say a sideways picture but that's wrong a silhouette like a, like <laughs> like a side view a side view yeah of a woman with her headphones on so uh, i need one of these in every color i know you know like yeah true crime all the time uh-huh damn yeah. straight i know i know i love this design uh, me too me too so Watch for that. And if you're ready for a new design premise, definitely go pick one up. Yeah. The other thing is that we do have a drawing going right now, mm-hmm. uh, a little contest so that you can win some merch from us. We're going to keep this going all week long. And then at the end of the week, we will, um, you know, throw all of the names into a generator and pull a few out and send you some merch from the merch store. Why? Yeah. Because we're celebrating 50,000 downloads. So the way yeah. you do it, 
if you want to come play with us, head over to Facebook and join our Facebook page, which is True Crime Paranormal. Is it yeah. True Crime Paranormal podcast or True Crime Paranormal? I think it's just True Crime Paranormal. It's just True Crime Paranormal. Yeah. <laughs> our fan page. And you'll find a post there about our 50,000 download uh, accomplishment. And there's a, and all you've got to do is comment on that with either your favorite episode or your favorite moment. Yes. And I'm cracking up at the favorite moments that have already been posted. Some great Need stuff. Too. Apparently this, if you're on video, you'll know, but I'll tell you. Which yes. is Resting Toad Face, which Resting is my face. is my rendition of Chad Daybell in court. He just looks like this. All the time. All the time. Yeah. So if you're listening, you better come watch this video so you can see it. If you haven't seen Resting Toad Face, you might want to. <laughs> tremendously unflattering. However, it is also very accurate. <laughs> so funny. Yeah. A few other people's uh, favorite moments. Um, when uh, I had an incident with my dog when I was trying to use my singing bowl and he went crazy. It wasn't very <laughs> zen of him. <laughs> it was so funny. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. The Zodiac reading, uh, the yeah, Indigenous the Women episodes, we've gotten a lot of feedback on that. Uh, the Jennifer Kessie case, mm-hmm. or Kess, Kess, we've heard it both ways, Kess. Uh, and then Paula, or, good Lord. And then, <laughs> I'm getting beside myself, uh, yeah. all of the Daybell debacle updates. Mm-hmm. Oh, the moment when I told Mark Means that... Uh, Grammarly is only twenty nine ninety nine. Yes, want to invest for his briefs in the future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, favorite new catchphrase: belligerent turd circus. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much was that. So here. many more. Yeah, so many more. I know one I've heard a lot is uh, you know we say as you do, and yeah. I've heard many listeners say that that's another one of their favorite moments. So. Oh, yeah. So we're having fun with this. So come over. Share your favorite moment or your favorite episode. We'd love to hear that too. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we'll put you in a drawing to win some merch. So yeah. that's what's going on with that. It is. You know, the other thing I wanted to share yeah. is our Patreon. So we have what? not done a very good job until recently of explaining what we're doing over on Patreon. So mm-hmm. we have a Patreon account, which means that you can become a patron for a small amount of money each month. Just helps support us. It's a way to sell, help support content creators like us and for that you get extra content so you get cases that have never been released to our public channels you only can see them if you are a patron so as you know we shared last week that we did JonBenet Ramsey and that's been a huge one many many people wanted us to do it we did it for Mm -hmm. our patrons so if you want to see our take on JonBenet Ramsey go to patreon.com and just search for true crime paranormal. You'll find us right there. And Mm -hmm. if you become a patron, you get access not only to the current month's cases, but all of the previous cases too. Yeah. There's 40 of them over there. There are. Yeah. I'm going to share a few of the other ones. We did Selena Mays. Yeah, we did. We have a really funny one that is teenage imposters and criminals. And this is with Katie's daughter as a special guest. Mm-hmm. Um, we did for Christmas, we did a bad Santa show about, um, cr- criminals committing crimes while dressed as Santa. That show was funny. I laughed my ass off what we Me did. That too. Show. <laughs> we did a Thanksgiving life. mayhem show, which was stories mm-hmm. of, um, true crime stories that happened over Thanksgiving. We did a show on serial arsonists, which 
Holy crap. Chilling. Then we did how chilling. So chilling. Yeah. We did a Arsonists are the weirdest people. Oh, they're weirdest people. As Katie said, you think serial killers are weird? Try these guys. Mm hmm. And we did a Halloween special, Halloween Crimes. Um, we did Kimberly Ratliff, if that's a case you're interested in. We have done that. Yeah. We did, oh, we did a Femme Fatale's case. Uh, well, it was two cases, but it was very interesting because one of the women in that case was a very prolific female serial killer in Mexico who was also a very famous wrestler in Mexico. It was just bonkers. Then we've done cold read battles. We did uh, Celine Gibbar, mm-hmm. Brian Schaefer. Many of you have asked us to do Brian Schaefer. Well, guess what? We've done Brian Schaefer. He's over there in Patreon. Yeah. The Bell Witch. Yeah. The Bell Witch. We did. Yeah. We did the Bell Witch. Um, that's a really famous old witch, old scary true crime story that we yeah. did. So if you're interested in that, and we do two new cases a month that we put up over there. So if you do um, join us, you will not only get the old ones, but the new ones as well. So yeah, you might want to do that. I always, I realize that we don't talk about it enough. So you don't all know what's, know. On, what's on over there. So we're going to do a better job of making sure that you don't. So yes. that if those are cases you want to, you know, if you want to be a part of that, you can be. Yes. Awesome. One more tiny bit of housekeeping and then we'll get into the, the meat Today's of our matters case. today. Yeah. yeah. Is that we have released our schedule for Spirit School yes, we have. for February. So February, the dates on February 14th, Christy will be doing a self-love meditation. Mm-hmm. On February 23rd, I will be teaching a three-card oracle spread. And on February 28th, Christy will be teaching attachments in relationships. So if you are in Spirit School, watch for those. If you're not and you would like to be a part of that, just... Go straight to our, you know, page right on YouTube and there's a spot right there to click to uh, join our membership. Yep. All you have to do. Mm-hmm. It's $14.99 a month. Super cheap to get three classes from us a month. And we'd love yeah. to see you there. We would. We're really having a good time with it. We're, we're really, uh-huh. I think we're enjoying like in Patreon, we, we offer extra true crime content in the membership. Yeah. We're offering extra metaphysical content because mm-hmm. we're doing both. I just, uh-huh. I'm really enjoying doing it that way. Me so, too. Yeah. Yeah, some of you guys like one or the other. Some of you like it all. Yeah. And some of you hate our guts. We know we get your comments. <laughs> just kidding. We do. And that's it's okay. Rare. Just keep on scrolling. That's my, that's my policy. Just keep on scrolling. Yeah. Well, today's case is a cold read. Yes. I am going to present a case to Christy, and then I'm going to let her read it. As always with our cold read cases, uh, we lay out the basics of a case, and that's it. So if you've heard this case or studied it with a lot more detail, you may have, but I'm going to lay out the basics of this case uh, only so that Christy can take a look at it and give us a psychic read on it. Yeah. So, and this was a listener suggestion. Uh, Kathy suggested this case. So Kathy, thank you so much for that. All right. So this is the case of Brianna Maitland. Okay. So Brianna Maitland went missing on March 19th, 2004 in Vermont. So she had been the day before she had been, uh, she'd taken a test to pass her GED. She'd had lunch with her mom to celebrate and was talking about college and future plans, went shopping with mom. And while they were in a store, mom was in line to pay. 
she got really rattled and said she needed to go outside for a minute and went outside. When her mom caught back up with her, she was acting very shaken up, but she was a really private uh, kid that was very independent, that was kind of trying to get some separation from her parents. So her mom didn't pry into it at all. She just let it be. And Mm -hmm. then she got really weird about, you know, I need to go home. I need to get ready to go to work. I got to go. So she wasn't living at home at the time. She was living with a childhood friend, a friend named Jillian Stout. And she, uh, so she'd gone home, gotten ready and gone to work. So she worked at, at a dishwashing job at a place called the Black Lantern Inn in Montgomery, Vermont. She got mm-hmm. off work about 1120. Her coworkers invited her to come have dinner with them. And she said she couldn't because she had to get up early. She had a second job as a waitress uh, in a, in Vermont, in another place in Vermont. And so she, uh, at any rate, said she was going home. Well, in the meantime, the police, early in the morning of March 20th, they discover a pale green four-door 1985 Oldsmobile sedan abandoned. And it has been what kind of looks like maybe crashed or backed up into this old abandoned farmhouse, kind of up into the garage of it or the barn part of it. Mm -hmm. And to the point that the back bumper of it is up against the uh, foundation in a way that the back tires are out of commission. So the car is unable to be driven. So they find this car and it's weird. And there's two unopened paychecks in the car for Brianna. And there's makeup, driver's license, medicine, contact lenses. Some of her stuff is strewn out in front of the car, her clothing, just all of her stuff. So they gather it all up, as well as, by the way, a fleece jacket that her family and friend uh, both identified as not belonging to her. But they gather up all this stuff and they tow the car. And they, they don't contact anybody. In the meantime, Brianna never comes back home. Yeah. Uh, The car was actually registered to Kelly, to her mother, but the police did not inform her that the car had been towed. So she did not show up back home at Jillian's house. Uh, But Jillian said that she kind of came and went from her house and her parents' house. So she just assumed that she had gone back home. She'd spent the day with her mom, you know, the day before. She thought she'd just gone back home. Well, two days pass and Jillian hasn't heard from her and that's weird. So she finally makes contact with her parents who, you know, also say, no, she has not been here. The last time we saw her, she was going back to your house to get ready to go to work. Mm -hmm. They go to the police department to file a missing persons report. And that's when they find out that they have the car. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So now two. Have they looked in the floor of that building? I don't Did know. they look inside the building? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. There's no account of that. Okay. There's just something weird about that building. There is something weird. Agreed. So finally, after, uh, you know, they make the contact that, uh, you know, Brianna is missing and the police actually did impound her car, which to me is so freaking weird and disappointing that they didn't make contact with Kelly sooner. Right. Considering, Why would they not? Right. Considering all the belongings that were left in the car, as well as, uh, you know, just that there was a wrecked car. They just hauled it and just said nothing. 
I mean, they lost two days of looking for her because no, the, nobody did their job. I, I, I don't understand it. I don't understand it. After her disappearance was reported and publicized, then some witnesses came forward. One man said that that night, sometime around 1130 to 1230, he saw the car parked right up against the barn. Uh, he said the headlights were on, but he didn't see anyone in or around the vehicle. But again, it's, you know, it's midnight he, and the headlights are on. I don't know if you could see if anyone was in or around the vehicle, you know. Right. But then a second man says he drove by somewhere around 1230 and saw a turn signal flashing on the car. Uh, on March 20th, around 4 a.m., a former boyfriend of Brianna's says that he was coming back from a night of partying in Canada and thought he recognized the vehicle, but didn't see anyone in or around it. Which, if you guys don't know, the drinking age in Canada is 18. And so American kids have, when it was easier to go in and out of Canada, have taken to going there so that they can go bar hopping and have some fun where they can't do it in the U.S. for three more years. So <laughs> that's why he was there. Uh, the following morning, a few different motorists passed the scene, found it so strange to see that car like propped up a little bit against the building that they stopped and took pictures. So one person said that they saw some loose change, a water bottle and a bracelet or a necklace on the ground behind beside the car. So not only has this all happened, the crime scene was also disturbed. Yeah. Uh, not that it was also, like a crime scene because it was none of these people called the police. Somebody must have, because at some point the police uh, came. That's true. Okay. But yeah, people wandering around, taking pictures, maybe taking right. things. Who knows? Mm -hmm. Now, immediately there is speculation that her disappearance could somehow be related to Mara Murray. Because Mara Murray disappeared on February 9th, 2004. We covered Mara Murray yeah. uh, in Haverhill, New Hampshire, which is only about 90 miles from Montgomery. Mm -hmm. So the FBI tried to link that, but frankly, they have never found either girl. So that's very hard to do. Yeah, uh, I, don't, they were, I don't have the impression that it linked at all. Yeah. It happened to ha be near each other, you know, in location, but yeah. I don't feel that they're linked in. The only things that could possibly li be linked there are just their looks, you know, and yeah. their ages. There's really nothing mm -hmm. else. Yeah. But they, they are a similar appearance and age. That's true. Mm -hmm. So one thing to note is that a few weeks before Brianna disappeared, she was attacked by a female acquaintance in front of several witnesses who beat the crap out of her. And Brianna has several years of martial arts, but she didn't fight back at all. And this girl sent her to the hospital. Wow. She had cuts to her face, two black eyes and a concussion. And had filed a criminal complaint against her attacker. So get this, at the time of her disappearance, those, that complaint was still pending. Mm -hmm. Since she disappeared and wasn't around to testify, they dropped it. Yeah. And her parents were really, really unhappy about that. Well, you're talking kind of rural Vermont, mm -hmm. probably in, this is 2004. Yeah. So they're probably not super schooled in evidence-based prosecution yet because yeah. I, I know because because around that same time is when this was still happening in Idaho too mm -hmm. that especially domestics or assaults like that if the, yeah. they they didn't have enough 
capability forensically locally to mm -hmm. make a case without the uh, witness. Yeah. And it, I've, I've seen yeah. that a lot here. And I, it wouldn't surprise me in that time frame. That was probably mm -hmm. the case there as well. Likely, though, there were witnesses. So it wasn't just he said, she said it. There were witnesses. But mm -hmm. anyway, yeah, her family was very uh -huh. unhappy about that happening. But yeah. yeah. So she had run away before. Uh, was kind of a restless, unhappy. I, I don't know if that's fair to say. That's what the Charlie report said. But, you know, she was kind of restless, trying to start her life, wasn't quite sure what she wanted to do with herself, sort. And mm -hmm. so the police were kind of suspicious that maybe she was a runaway, but she left all of her stuff, all yeah. of her stuff, yeah, uh, including her migraine medication. And she had been plagued with horrible migraines and left her migraine meds, which they thought was uh, very strange. Besides her purse, her money, two unopened paychecks. So her parents really believe that she did come to harm. They don't think that she, uh, you know, had, had gone missing. The police yeah. also uh, played around with the idea that perhaps this was drug related. Her parents claimed she was not really seriously involved with drugs. But, you know, there had been that attack. So, I mean, not not blaming the victim here at all. But it, it does really make you wonder, you know, what all she was involved in. Especially that weird incident at the store when mm -hmm. she got so rattled and weirded out and left the store. Yeah. So here's where we are now. In 2006, there was a woman resembling her caught on security footage sitting at a poker table in Atlantic city. Uh, that woman was never properly identified, but uh, her face did match, but uh, there was, they never round that person down. No. In March 2016, on the 12th anniversary of the case, investigators revealed to a local television station of being in possession of recovered DNA from her car. They have not released the results of the DNA test, but on there's a Facebook page for her, uh, Brianna Maitland, on Facebook. And according to them, there is still an active DNA uh, recovery effort going mm -hmm. uh, on the 29th of uh, 2020, September 29th, 2020. They said that the Vermont state police uh, said that they are working. They have two things going. They have hired two cold case specialists to work on digitizing, assessing and analyzing unresolved homicides and suspicious deaths. And they are putting focus on Brianna's case. So those two specialists are Brad Hansen and Heather Gibbs. Very interesting. Uh, they both have very specific, uh, you know, criminal law and uh, communications type uh, and investigative skills. It's really interesting. It's quite, I, they seem like the dream team. I hope that they have some really good luck. But they are working with uh, the Vidoc Society. It's a volunteer group of nationally recognized cold case experts. Mm. And they are also, of course, working with a, a group that is working on the DNA side of it. Mm -hmm. And so let's see, I have, oh, Othram, a company called Othram Inc., mm. the world's first private DNA laboratory built specifically to apply the power of modern parallel sequencing to forensic evidence. 
Wow. Yeah. So they're working on the DNA that was found, which they did find a fleece jacket that didn't belong to Brianna. And so I'm assuming that's at least part of the DNA that they're speaking of. Though so maybe mm-hmm. there's other, you know, blood or DNA in the car. They've never said what mm-hmm. the DNA is or where it came from. So it's possible that this will not remain a cold case if uh, they can run the DNA down to whoever it actually belongs to. But that's really all they know. Now, they, the other, what kind of a search happened for her? Did a search ever happen based in that spot where her car was found? Was there a like a well, physical search out through there? Get this. In March or, or July of 2016, that barn burned to the ground. That house burned to the ground. Yeah. Randomly. Yeah. Uh, there is not a lot of information on that, actually. I don't suspect that there was a large search around that area. No. So that's all we know. What the hell? Okay. Mm-hmm. First of all, I, I do um, 100% believe that she is dead and that she was killed that night. She's not in Atlantic City or wherever else. No, she's not. She never left that location. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel in the store that... I, I feel that she was involved with a man that was not a good guy. And I do feel it was drug related in a way, but it was also relationship related. She'd been in a relationship with a man mm-hmm. who was involved with seal, with selling drugs and she had tried to get away from him. She was trying to improve her life. He was not good for her. And uh, he was stalking her and doing things to scare her. He saw, she saw him in that store um, in her mind. I feel like she, felt he was following her and her mom. And that's why she got away from her mom as quickly as she could, because she was worried that her mother would be hurt because she knew that this guy was coming after her. Mm-hmm. Um, I do feel that's exactly what it, what happened. Mm-hmm. I feel like he staged the car situation to throw off law enforcement about what had happened and what was going on and to take um, attention away from him. Mm-hmm. I don't feel that she drove her car to that location. He did. Uh-huh. I do feel she's buried and I feel she's buried not far from that house. That she is somewhere in that general vicinity. Her body is. Mm-hmm. And he was someone that because she was pretty private, as you said, mm-hmm. she also, she would get involved in things and then realize it wasn't a good thing and then be embarrassed. And she was very, independent. And so she would try to solve problems on her own. And this was one of those things. And she didn't tell anybody about this guy because he's a very bad guy. Yeah. He's locally known as a criminal. He's locally known as being involved in drugs and other like assaults, violent crime kinds of things. Uh, I don't feel that he's ever been charged or, or, you know, questioned about murder before, but he is definitely someone who was, you know, no stranger to law enforcement. Mm-hmm. I'm assuming then that he was, because she was only 17. So he had to have been a fair amount older than her. What do you think? Oh, of yeah. that? I, my sense is he was about 25 at the time. Okay. He strangled her and he buried her not far from that house. And her body is still there. And I feel like he kind of lucked out in the way that the police handled this and didn't treat it like it was an actual missing child because it was. Mm-hmm. And he just lucked out in the way that it was, 
investigated. He really never was questioned. Nobody ever, you know, thought of him as a suspect, yeah. you know, never were, they, they never fully were convinced that she was missing. Although I absolutely am behind her family hundred percent that she was oh, yeah. missing. Yeah. And I, I fully believe that she was killed that night, which I'm sorry to say for family and friends who may be listening. Yeah. But I hope that gives you a little closure to know she's not out there somewhere just avoiding you all. No, that's not the case. As, as much as oh, she no. had some wanderlust and she had some challenges in figuring out what she wanted in her life, she loved her family. She did. And she yeah. left that store quickly that day to protect her mom. Yeah. And she knew. She knew that she was going to be in trouble with this guy at some point. Mm-hmm. But she did not want that to happen with her mom present. She didn't want to risk her mom's safety. Yeah. Ah, it's such a sad case. And it's so it is. It's terribly sad. And it's- of teenagers getting in over their heads or having some way to adult thing going on and yeah. not talking to the adults around them about it. How many yes. times have we seen this when, you so know, maybe an adult could have helped her sort it out. You yeah, know? I, I feel like not, but- honestly, I feel like she could have gone to the police because this was an adult man mm-hmm. that she had had a relationship with. And when she was a minor and he was threatening her, she, she really could have, but in her mind, she had to solve it. She put herself in that position. She had to get yeah. herself out. Right. Cause he was threatening her family. Yeah. Uh, the situation with the other, with the female that had assaulted her, do you think that was connected to this at all? No, no. no another she situation. Just, she just, she had kind of a tough girl attitude. I feel like it wasn't the first time she'd been in a fight. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, I, I also feel like she had a bit of a mouth on her. My sense of her is that she could really pop off mm-hmm. when she wanted to, and that she had had some, you know, challenges with other girls like that, but no, I don't feel like they're connected. Mm-hmm. I also, you know, um, I've read Mara Murray and I don't feel like this has anything to do with Mara Murray. Yeah, I don't either. This was something that was specific to her, an individual that she knew. Mm-hmm. She went with them that night to try to talk to them, to try to, you know, bring the intensity down Mm -hmm. and he killed her. Yeah. Yep. Ah, so sad. So on the DNA, do you think that there's a chance that they'll ever find this person due to DNA? I do. Yeah. Because I I feel like at this point in his life, he's a felon Mm -hmm. and, you know, things have changed over the years. And one of the things, and it depends on the state and there's a lot of rules, but um, in a lot of states, felons now have to put their DNA on file. And so if he's been convicted of a crime of, of a felony, he will have his DNA on file. I feel they will find him. Good. Good. Well, then we will watch for that and we'll hold space that it happens sooner than later so that her family can at least get some kind of closure and know who right. did this. They, too, believe that she has been harmed. They don't believe that she just ran away or took off at all. And I, I agree. It's such a correct. silly. And, and how many times have we seen this? And and I have to say, particularly with girls, with teenage mm-hmm. girls, we've seen a lot of cases lately where law enforcement jump immediately, especially if they've had any kind of behavioral issues or anything like that. Yeah. Then they jump immediately to, oh, well, they just ran away. That is the laziest, mm-hmm. laziest cop out I've ever seen. She was a 17 year old kid. Where was the FBI? Where were the helicopters? You know, where right. was all the stuff? Unfortunately, what they would have found is her body, not her alive. Right. By the time anybody knew what had happened, she was already gone. She was already gone. Yeah. But it blows me away that they towed that car. Yeah. With her belongings in it, her ID. 
She's a they, 17 year old kid. I mean, right. They went to her work. They went to her work because that's her pay stubs were for her job or, you know, for the job. They went there and they were closed and that is all they had done. My God, like the car was registered to her mother. I, Yeah. Yeah. There's so much more that could have been done. It's ridiculous. It's very sad. And they lost a lot of time and they lost mm-hmm. a lot of evidence, unfortunately. And, you know, I do feel it is the DNA that will bring this to light. Mm-hmm. Yep. Agreed. All righty. Well, thank you very much to that. And we'll just continue to hold space for it. Her uh, friends and family have her Facebook page, uh, Brianna Maitland on Facebook, and they post a lot of useful things. Uh, They are contributors to and supporters of a GoFundMe that is for paying for private investigations for the missing. Mm -hmm. That is worth taking a look at and contributing to. They post a lot of solved cases uh, and missing people and things like that. So there's a lot that they are doing to continue to further, uh, you know, the, the cause for all families that have a missing person. So go check out their Facebook page. It's definitely worth your while. And, you know, if you can contribute to their GoFundMe for private investigators for missing people, that is so needed because so often police forces just, they don't have the time, the resources, the wherewithal. I think it's very cool that Vermont has now hired a couple of, you know, special investigators who focus only on these missing cases. Their governor said that any cold case is an open case in his state. Yeah, good. I'm glad to hear that because so many of these cases go cold with no attention. Mm -hmm. I mean, seriously, this was 17 years ago. Come on. No, not that old. Yeah. All righty. Well, that's it. So. Thank you so much for being here, you guys. If you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, comment, share. And we'll be back tomorrow with um, a really wild (laughs) joint case that we're putting together. Can't Mm -hmm. wait to share that with you. Uh, Mm -hmm. Wednesday, we'll have our MMIW case for the week. Wednesday night, of course, we'll be back with the Wednesday night uh, case updates. I have a very interesting uh, solved DNA case for you for that night. Uh, we'll see if any other cold or, uh, sorry, case updates show up in the meantime. There hasn't been a lot, mm-hmm. uh, believe it or not, nothing has surfaced this week in the Vallow case. I know I'm not amazed. so far. <laughs> tomorrow is Monday. You never know. Right. I'm sure Mark means his fingers are itching to find well, out in the mast case. There are some hearings coming up in the mast case. So that's true. Yeah. So we'll definitely keep you abreast of all of that. And then of course, Thursday night will be the uh, psychic hour and it will be marching orders this week since yeah. it's the first show of the month. And of course those live streams on Wednesday and Thursday nights are always now at 7 PM mountain time. So thanks so much for being here. You guys, we appreciate you very much. You have been listening to true crime paranormal with the psychic sisters. Take care. Thanks guys. Hi, I'm Christy Brower, podcaster and professional psychic. I have spent the last 14 years honing my skills as a psychic and a healer. I work on the Purple Ocean app. You can find it in any of the app stores. And I am available every day for video and chat readings. I specialize in pattern breaking, uh, particularly in relationships, but really in any area of your life. If you're feeling stuck and like you can't move on or you can't let something go, 
I am the reader for you. That is exactly what I focus on. It's what I love to do. I love to help stuck people get moving. And I've been doing it for many years and have been very successful at it and can do that for you as well. So if you are having trouble letting go of a relationship or a fear or a challenge of any kind in your life, come see me at Purple Ocean and we will do everything we can, me and my guidance system and my intuition and you, because it's always a package deal that we work together, but we will find a way to break that pattern for you. So come see me over at Purple Ocean and let's break your patterns. If you're enjoying this podcast, don't forget to like and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. If you're watching us on YouTube, you can always like and subscribe there as well. We also love comments and reviews. True Crime Paranormal is hosted by Katie Weaver and Christy Brower and produced by Christy Brower. True Crime Paranormal is a short girl productions podcast.